Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing another message today out of the book of Revelation as we continue our verse-by-verse study through this book. Today we're in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 is the full context. And again, I will not be able to get through this. I'm going to try to get a little bit further than what I did last week. Last week, the title of the message was Alone with the Living God. And I say that because these people who are going before this judgment, which according to verse 11 is called the great white throne judgment, will be alone, just them and God, and they're going to be judged according to what it says in this passage, which would be a very frightening, terrifying time to, uh, to be alone with the living God. In fact, Hebrews even says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Some people translate that, the fear to fall into the hands of an angry God, but it technically says living God. So I want to continue this passage today, and I will read it. Found in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, the word of God reads, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. I saw the dead the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Now again, the overall subject here is the great white throne judgment or the the day of damnation or the judgment of damnation, the the last event uh, to happen that involves lost people. Uh, there will be a lot that goes on after this, and that will be Revelation chapter 21 and 22, a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll get into those when we get there. But for today, I want to focus on what I think is a, is a very interesting thing because it, it hits so well today according to uh, all that I hear and all that I read and where I go and how I participate in things, uh, what people's true theology is on heaven. Uh, it, it's, it's just a fascinating thing to see. We see it on, uh, on television. We see it in movies, on television uh, shows. I, I've seen, I've watched several Hallmark movies in the last couple of days, and it's, it's very prevalent in the Hallmark movies. And that is this. I'm going to do it in the form of a question. Do all people go to heaven? Will everyone who has a funeral this year, go to heaven. You could ask it a lot of ways. Uh, To say all people go to heaven is to believe in universalism, and it means all people are saved. They will all make it to heaven. And that's what what most theology is as far as what our culture or our society uh, believes today. Most people believe all people are going to make it to heaven. I've had neighbors in the neighborhood tell me, I've been pretty good. I hadn't been bad. I've never cheated anybody out of any money. I've never stole anything or killed anybody. I know I will be going to heaven. Well, is that really the standard? Uh, Is that the standard by which the Bible tells us we can know for sure whether we're going to heaven or not? And I don't think that is the standard. Uh, And so I want to look at this today, and I want to begin... Uh, where we left off last time, we left off in looking at, we had finished pretty much verse 11, talking about heaven and earth fled away, and this is the destruction of heaven and earth, the uh, 
uh, which is, comes right after the millennial kingdom. We find the millennial kingdom ending in verse 10 with the devil and the, who deceived was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And then you have to go into a few other places to realize that uh, the heavens and earth are destroyed. We see it in, in verse 20, in chapter 21. You see, listen to what this says in verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any seed. Of course, we'll, we'll take a look at that when we get there. But that's referencing back over here in chapter 20, the fact that the heaven and earth has passed away, and you say, well, when did that happen? Well, I believe it happened right at the time of verse 9 in chapter 20. Uh, listen to this. They came up. Uh, this is the Gog and the Magog, the people of the world, who have been gathered together by Satan to go against God. They come up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, that's in Jerusalem, and the, 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 and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Well, I think probably at that same time, we read in First Peter, or Second Peter, there's references of the earth being destroyed with fire. And so it is gone. There's no place found for heaven and earth. In fact, this particular passage, beginning in verse 11, I saw a great white throne judgment is somewhere that's between the destruction of the old heaven and earth and the, the new heaven and earth. We don't even know where it is. It's just out there somewhere uh, that only God knows, and we don't even need to know because we wouldn't understand it anyway. But I want to focus on some of this because it's so interesting. Look at verse 12, and uh, we, we'll, we'll take a look at, at how this appears and, and what it seems to be saying. But look, I want to read to you verse 12 again, at least the first part of it. This is verse 12 of chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. It says, I saw, or and I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book uh, of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So we can see there's all kinds of evidence here if we know what we're looking for, there's all kinds of evidence to tell us who are these that are the dead that he sees, that John sees. Well, we know that there's, a, there's according to this passage in Revelation chapter 20, the whole earth disappears, and the, we're right now in the in middle of nothingness between the end of the universe and the heavens and the earth, as I've said. The dead, now remember, these are no living people left. There's no living people after verse 9 of Revelation chapter 20. So by the time you get to 10, you have a pause where the uh, Satan is destroyed and the, where the beast and the false prophet are. Then you get to verse 11, and John sees dead people or dead souls standing before God at this great white throne. Now remember now, the saints have all been dealt with. They've all been, uh, if, as people got saved during the, the kingdom, we said that uh, they were probably uh, protected. The armies came against them in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 20. And so we know that the, the saints were protected. They're immediately, I believe, translated or glorified. Uh, now, we don't know. It doesn't tell us that, but we have to assume that because they did come to know Christ during that time. 
And so I think that that's been going on all through the kingdom, and uh, that's it's no different uh, by the time you get to the end of the kingdom. In other words, anybody saved during the kingdom uh, probably was translated immediately to their glorified body. So uh, we, we look at this, and, and you realize that by the time you get to the next verse, verse 12, John says, I saw the dead. Well, who are they? Uh, well, they can't be saved people. They cannot be believers. They have to be unbelievers, and I want to give you several reasons why. First of all, the church has already been glorified, right? The church has already happened. The true church was, was raptured, uh, already occurred way back before the thousand years, way back before the second coming, uh, way back uh, before the tribulation even began. So at the end of the time of tribulation, the Old Testament saints were raised uh, all the, uh, at the coming of Christ, they were ushered into the kingdom. And so we, we have already looked at all that. So the martyrs during the tribulation have all been raised as well. And so we, we come to this point of understanding that the judgment of the martyrs is already over. They've all been translated into uh, their, glorious, uh, their glorified bodies. And so you put that with the fact that the church has been raptured, Old Testament saints have been transformed and resurrected, uh, as Daniel pointed out, uh, this cannot be believers because believers are not referred to as dead and standing before a judgment. That is a dead giveaway as to who these people actually are. Uh, the godly have already received their eternal reward. The first resurrection is already passed. Remember verse 6 of chapter 20 of Revelation. Blessed and holy are those who had part in the first resurrection uh, because uh, the, the second resurrection, or the second death, has no power uh, over them. Uh, they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So, uh, the dead that John sees are unbelievers. Now, let me, let me say this about that. If that is true, and I believe it is 100% true, then that means they are going to be judged and dealt with, and they will not be going into heaven. So to answer my first question, do all people go to heaven, or will everyone who has a funeral this year, however you want to ask that question, go to heaven? And the answer is no, they will not. In fact, Matthew chapter 7 tells us that it is a broad, broad path to destruction and many will be that follow that, and that means to the eternal damnation or to this moment of judgment for unbelievers. But it says few will find the narrow and right path to heaven. Of course, John chapter 14, verse 6, no man comes to the Father except through him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so all people are not going to go to heaven through Christ. All people are not going to heaven. I hear it so often that, oh, you know, so-and-so passed away, and it's a good thing they're going to heaven. Uh, they're at peace now. Well, let me tell you something. There's a good chance they're not at peace if they did not go to heaven because they are going to be in this group. Now, the people who died without Christ go to their uh, temporary punishment, their temporary judgment. Uh, they are not raised yet. They will be raised at the great white throne. 
But this is what this is talking about. So there are two resurrections. And I hope I can explain this. So if you'll just listen uh, carefully to this, there are two resurrections. And you see that in John chapter 5. Uh, you remember in John chapter 5, and we've looked at this a couple of times, there's a resurrection unto, a resurrection into life, and there's a resurrection into damnation or judgment. Two resurrections. So we would conclude there are two judgments. There is the judgment of the works of believers described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And there is this judgment. Who are the dead? And so we're talking about a judgment for believers, which is it's really not a judgment. It is a judgment of the works. It is the Bema seat or the reward seat for believers. But the judgment for unbelievers, which will be all unbelievers of all times. This is what John sees. He says, I saw the dead. This is all who died in their sins. Billions, as one writer puts it, of ungodly sinners from all of human history, all brought to this time of judgment that verse 12 or verse 11 calls the great white throne. A sweeping mass of everybody who lived since the fall of man that does not know Christ. And to show the breadth or the wideness or the depth of this, he simply says in verse 12, look at how it says it, the great and the small, or as one writer puts it, the somebodies and the nobodies, or as another person puts it, position means nothing. God is no respecter of persons. The judge has no favorites. This would include the rich, the famous, stand along with the poor and the obscure. All people at the point of death, it doesn't matter your position on this earth. It doesn't matter your wealth, your status in society, your education, your race. Nothing matters except do you know Christ? And that's the question that has to be answered at funerals. Uh, nobody wants to deal with it. We all, I think all people want to go to a funeral and hear, yeah, Joe or John or whoever has passed away and they were they might have been a scoundrel on earth. They don't say that, but that's they might have been. Uh, or they might have been a deceiver, or they might have been a, a liar, or they might have been the perfect neighbor, kind, considerate. None of that is really the question. The only question is, do they know Jesus? Listen to what John Phillips writes. He has a, a copy, or he has printed a, a New Testament uh, John, the Phillips translation, and it's the New Testament. Listen to what he says. John Phillips writes this. There is a terrible fellowship there. Where is he talking about? He's talking about at this great white throne judgment. When John sees in verse 12, all of the dead, the great and the small, standing, this is what John Phillips is referring to. There is a terrible fellowship there. The dead, small and great, stand before God. These are dead souls, and they're united these dead bodies in a fellowship of horror and despair. Little men and, and of women whose lives were filled with pettiness, selfishness, nasty little sins will be there. Those whose lives amounted to nothing will be there. Whose very sins were drab and dowdy means spiteful. Uh, uh, the common 
everyday person along with the wealthy and the rich or the wealthy and the influential people. It all has to do with where they stand before God. Do they have peace with God? That is the real question. So the great will be there, men who have sinned, uh, a high sin that was known throughout the world, or men who sinned that their sin was not known. And, you know, this is, this is something that is, is, is really hard for... I don't, the world can't understand this. The world can't understand how you can live a, a good, kind, nice, peaceful life, not get into any trouble, obey all laws, be a good neighbor, uh, uh, be a good functioning citizen of the society or the nation or the country in which you live and, and still not go to heaven? It's like, how fair would that be? That would just not be fair. And so all the ungodly sinners of all human history are here, and that is really not even the issue. The issue is, is it, is it right? Why are they there? Is it fair? Does this mean that all people will not go to heaven? And it does mean that. And so in understanding this, it's good to understand the scripture and to go through it because it says some things here that it really ought to awaken us to the reality that all people are not going to go to heaven. Listen to what it says. These dead, small and great, were standing before the throne. Well, why are they standing there? Well, they're waiting for their moment, as last week's title indicated, alone with the living God. They're waiting for their moment to be alone with the living God, face to face, to hear the sentence that will be pronounced upon them. <coughs> it is a judicial scene. You might expect they would hear something like, will the prisoner please rise, says the judge, or will you please stand, or even call the name and approach the bench to be sentenced. Remember, there's not a jury there to decide the fate. You don't have someone speaking for you. You're there all alone by yourself. You know, I really thought uh, this would be a very easy thing to explain, but as, as I get into this, I realize it is not very easy at all to explain. It's a very tough passage uh, to, to try to explain to people and it is uh, a difficult place to be as far as where we could, we could see this and how we could understand this in, by any means. And so we, we, we look at this and we think, wow, this is, very few people would understand this. Very few people would even have any idea about this. And you can't just present it to them uh, because they would not have an understanding of the things of God, spiritual discernment as 1 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about. So we see this is God's final judgment, and it is a judgment of all the dead who have died without Christ. But notice what it says. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, is God just? Well, that would be a question to ask at, at, the, at the beginning here. But another question would be, is it a just judgment? If all these dead are not going to heaven, and we're going to say they're standing here before God waiting to be sentenced and judged, 
and not permitted to go to heaven, then you would have to ask the question, is this a just judgment? And the answer is, yes, it is absolutely a just judgment. Because here's the reason why. God is just. Deuteronomy 32.4 says of God, just and righteous is he. In Job 37, verse 23 and 24, we read, The Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is exalted in power, power, and he will do violence. He will not do violence to justice. In other words, God does not do violence to justice because he is just. Therefore, it says in that passage in Job, men fear him. He will do what is just, and guilty men, men who love their sin, men who love the darkness rather than light, they fear him because they know he's just and fair. It's only us on earth that would ask the question, is it fair? It doesn't seem fair because deep down we might be thinking, well, we are going to be judged, and it's not fair that I, if I don't trust Christ. But it is fair. God is a just judge. And all his verdicts are, or get this, they are true. All his verdicts are righteous. Therefore, men have good reason to be afraid to face him with the record of their sin. I want to read you something that is, to me, is one of the most frightening passages in the book of Revelation. And we, we looked at this at the time, but it's found in the last part of Revelation chapter 6. And we don't know exactly when this is. We don't know whether this is looking ahead to the end of the tribulation period or whether this is a glimpse into what is happening at the beginning of the tribulation period. But never, needless to say, it will happen during the tribulation period. And look what it is. Uh, John says this, I looked and when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood. It sounds like it's the end of the tribulation and I think when we presented this, it's almost six, chapter six, it's almost like a summary look or a big picture look at all the tribulation. Whether that's true or not, I can't be certain. But look at what verse 13 of Revelation 6 says. And the stars of the sky fell to earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by the great wind, by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Well, that's exactly the way Revelation chapter 16 describes what is going to be happening in that last bowl judgment just before the return of Christ. And then look at verse 15 of chapter 6 of Revelation. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong, every slave and free man, listen, listen to what they did. They, had the, they got together and had the greatest prayer meeting on earth. You hear that? All these people are going to have a great prayer meeting. But look at who they pray to. Look at what verse 15 says. They hid themselves hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And by the way, these caves, rocks of the mountains are all falling, being flattened by God's judgment. And then verse 17, or verse 16, they cry out 
to the mountains and to the rocks. Now, notice it says they cry out to the mountains and the rocks. They don't cry out to the God that they have just spotted in heaven. Because when the sky is split apart, when it is rolled, when the, when the heavens open up, they don't cry out to what they see. They don't cry out to the one they see. They cry out to the rocks upon the earth. And look at what it says they do. They cry out to the mountains and to the rocks, and they say this. This is their prayer meeting. Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They are seeing the very Lamb of God. They are seeing the very glory of Christ in heaven. They're seeing the very presence of the throne in which judgment is coming down on them and they can't stand the judgment. They can't stand to face the wrath of the Lamb. Look at what verse 17 says. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? And then you come over here to Revelation chapter 20 where I am teaching right now in which this passage is dealing with. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, it says, I saw the dead, all those people who were praying to the mountains and the rocks are now dead and they're standing before God. They're standing right before that throne that they described in Revelation chapter 6. Hide us from the presence of the Lamb. That is absolutely amazing parallel passage to see here. They said to the hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Well, now they're standing before that throne. And it says books are opened. And another book is opened, which is the, the book of life. And then it says the dead were judged. So all these people who saw their judgment day coming are now facing that day. You know, there's probably not more of a frightening moment than that, is it? These people are, 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 are standing before God. Uh, they, are, they are standing there in the very presence of God. They're waiting to be judged. Now, why are they waiting to be judged? God doesn't have to do this. God doesn't have to show them why he is just or how he is just or that the judgment is just. He's doing that because that is just who God is. Now, God is not going to be bribed. He's not forced. It's just he does what is right because he's just. They cry out for a God who is unjust, is the unbelievers all through. A God who looks over their sins and turns away and leaves them alone. Well, that's not this God. No, this God is going to judge them according to what he is, according to his nature, and according to the books that are opened, and they're going to be proven to be just. 
God will be just. God is the perfection of the divine nature. God never has done anything unjust, and he never will. His justice has been uh, his justice has always been right, but his justice has been lived out by us as wronged. We never can be proven right when we have not come to Christ. We stand in the righteousness of Christ because of what he has done for us and our sins at the cross. We stand before God with the very righteousness of Christ before us because Romans says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person ever born deserves this judgment that these people are standing before. And so when John sees the dead, the small and the great, great, every one of them deserve to be there. Do all people deserve to go to heaven? Is it only fair that everybody be given the same heaven and earth? No, it's not. And it's because of the very justice and the nature of God. Man makes a choice and justice acts is the way one person puts it. I tell you, it is an amazing thing. And we can see how Hebrews says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the reason is because he's fair. He's just. He's righteous. He's pure. He's holy. He will condemn the life of the unbeliever because they have rejected him. Doesn't that just seem right? Doesn't that just seem right? Listen to what Hosea says. Oh, Israel, you have destroyed yourself. Psalm 81 says this. Israel would have nothing to do with me. Jesus said, you will not come to me that you might have life, he said. You will die in your sins because you believe not on me. Let me tell you something. It is sad that when you go to a funeral... All these people are talking about so-and-so going to heaven when we probably don't know, because most people, I don't know their hearts. I, I can't tell who's going to heaven. People don't look like they're going to heaven, and they might be going to heaven. They, they should be acting like believers, but they don't always. So we don't really know, but to just come out with a blanket statement and say everyone's going to heaven or Joe's going to heaven because he he's, that's just, Part of the theology of the day is wrong. Most people realize this. Most people who are going to be in funerals or go to funerals this week are going to be in the very presence of a, of a body that is going to go to hell. Damnation. Eternal damnation. And that is really a sad place to be. We make our choice. We make our bed and we sleep in it. That is the fact of the scriptures. God dealt with our sins as believers at the cross. And those who do not trust in him and do not trust their Savior for eternal life will go straight to this judgment. And it's called the great white throne judgment. So do all people go to heaven? No, they do not. Most people do not go to heaven. In fact, it may surprise us how few people actually go to heaven. Isn't that what Matthew says? Few there be that find it. It would probably amaze us at how many people are going to have funerals this year 
that will actually go to heaven. I don't know what the number is. I can't even imagine. I don't even know when I go to a funeral if that person who's been a Christian or says they've been a Christian or been in church all their life, I don't know that they're going to heaven. But God does. And God knows whether they'll be standing in front of this judgment or not. But let me tell you something. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, it would be better for you to crawl to the church, crawl to a Christian and ask them or crawl on your knees to the very to your bed and just bow down and cry out to God to save you, to give you that new heart that Ezekiel talks about, to give you the new heart that we have to have. That's what you have to have to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. No man comes to the Father except through me. Or you can say it like this. This is fair to the Scriptures. No man is going to go to heaven except through Jesus Christ. You try to skip that step, you're not going to heaven. The good life isn't going to cut it. The honest life isn't going to cut it. The friendly life isn't going to cut it. In fact, I, I, I used to work with a guy that was about as nice a guy as you could ever want to meet. I don't think he would hurt a flea. <coughs> and I used to say this. In my stupidity, I'd say this. Wow, he would make a great Christian. Now think about that. How foolish of me to say that. And what I meant by that, probably, I don't even know what I meant, but this was years ago, before I ever even went to seminary or got into the Bible. This, I was a young believer. But what I meant was, this is the way believers ought to be. But he's a professing atheist. Didn't believe in God. Now he may now, I don't know. But at that moment, he didn't, and I didn't know. But I thought, wow, how could the... It really got me to thinking. This kind, considerate, he was my boss, nicest person I've ever wanted to meet. How could he be going to hell? Well, he could be going to hell because he did not trust Christ. That is what this is about. So do all people go to heaven? No. But many, 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 many will go to this judgment. So, we will pick this up again next time. Thank you so much for joining another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. This has been William Rogers, and we'll be teaching again from this section next time. Thank you.